Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. First of all, I want to make sure that you all know that I appreciate you, I love the support you give me, I'm glad that you're tuning in, and I would really like it if you did me a huge favor and give the show a five-star rating on whatever platform you're tuning in on, because that would be really neat. Last week, we took a look at a handful more of the quirks that Left of Normal people uh, have, including the awkwardness of smiling and whether or not we're exhibiting the proper amount of reaction to a particular situation. There's a story in last week's episode about how I tried smiling at strangers to quote-unquote brighten their day, and the majority of them just ran away screaming. This week, we're looking at a little bit of growing up left of normal and the toys I played with, kind of what drew my interest, and where I see my 10-year-old son focusing his attention as well. So I grew up with three brothers, not four as sometimes I mention. Uh, Many of the toys we played with were our toys and not just my toys. My oldest brother is about seven years older than I am, so he kind of had a separate life. But the rest of us are all within five years. And by the time my younger brother was maybe five or six years old, we all shared a lot of the same toys. And this also meant that we're kind of forced to play with the things that weren't our ideal entertainment source. Many of the toys that we had, however, were what we'd now be called educational toys or STEM toys, they required a little bit more brain work, not as much out-of-the-box type things where you open a package and you just go use your imagination. As a logically thinking left of normal, this was obviously right up my alley, and I could learn how something worked as I played with it. Some of my favorite toys ended up being things like the Armatron machine, where we could have a real robot in the house, or things like uh, you'd build a structure and then you put the tracks down and watch the marbles zip through the little roller coaster-like edifice. And I remember one year for my birthday or for Christmas, I received a, what, I don't remember the name of it, is like a demolition toy. In my mind, this thing was huge. It was really big. And you built a building, more kind of like the Eiffel Tower, not a building per se, but like the bones of the building. And then when it was all complete, there was a plunger that you pushed, which raised another plunger in the middle of the thing, and it knocked uh, knocked it all over. It's really fun to build it up and then just watch it crumble. Many of my favorite toys included things like this that required a little bit of building and kind of expertise to put them together, but then also some chaos at the end. And along the lines, too, there were the typical toys of stuffed animals and G.I. Joes and uh, matchbox cars, micro-machines, and things like that. And I'll get into kind of how I organized them in a few minutes here. Now, despite the uh, plethora of toys with a wide range from those designed for kids younger than myself to those designed for kids older than myself, I remember that some of the most often played with toys were the simpler ones, especially when I was quite a bit younger. So stuffed animals, 
were kind of my thing until I hit a certain age and they kind of got shunned and moved on to different things. But I had what I felt was a very large collection of pound puppies. It was most likely like three or four, maybe five of them. But to around a five-year-old, it felt like the world's supply of pound puppies. Then as I got older, I left those behind and opted for some other simpler toys. They're not like figurines. I don't know what you'd call them. They weren't action figures because they didn't move. But they're like the plastic toys. Think kind of along the lines of plastic dinosaurs. It's something I really wanted my son to get interested in, but he couldn't care less about the plethora of dinosaurs that I reaccumulated as an adult. So back when I lived in Oregon, it would have been around age six to maybe eight, I had this toy frog that I absolutely loved. I think it squeaked or kind of croaked when you squeezed it at one point, and ultimately the squeaker croaker broke. The croaker croaked. And I would take it all over the house and out into the yard when I played, and Sometimes it'd get left in the sandbox for a while, and I'd pick it up and be like, oh, yeah, I love this thing, and I'd carry it around for a little bit longer. And one day I left it in the backyard, as I was wont to do, and it probably sat out there for a couple of days until before I found it again. Now, one of the days that it was sitting out there, my oldest brother was told to mow the lawn. Now, he claims it was an accident, but... Now, looking back on the situation, I'm pretty sure he was cruising along. He probably had some headphones on. He saw my beloved frog sitting there, and a big old smile came across his face. I don't know how long after the murder of my cherished toy it was, but my dad came in with the shredded froggy remains, and he explained that it was left in the yard and mowed over on accident. Now, I don't clearly remember my reaction, but likely I cried for a full 24 hours. When you look over early signs of children that children will display when they're on the spectrum, one of the things that comes up over and over is the idea that they like to line up their toys. So instead of simply playing with them, they put them in a line that to most people, just appears arbitrary. But for the mind that's creating the line, it does have meaning. I don't remember specifically just lining up my toys to line them up, but as an adult, I do look back and I see some of the signs that there was more organization and less play with some of my toys. And I also can see that into my teen years, it carried over into less organization of toys and just other items and objects that I owned. So those pound puppies were almost always organized from largest to smallest. There was the biggest one, which was considered the dad, and then the next size down was the mom, and then they kind of tapered off into these tiny little puppy things. And it was actually rather irritating when they were out of order. So I always made sure on the left-hand side there was the largest one tapering all the way down to the smallest. The toy cars and micro-machines were generally arranged by style, like a truck or an airplane or a car or some sort of other category. And then I liked to further arrange them by color. You know, growing up with 
two brothers that I played with, three total, they generally didn't stay arranged how they were supposed to be arranged. And especially when we had to put them away, they were just kind of all scooped up and tossed back into a big bucket. And so I constantly had to pull them out and rearrange them and reorganize them. The same thing with the G.I. Joe action figures. They were sorted by whether they were Cobra or G.I. Joe. And then they were arranged by, how I'm not sure how you'd kind of say it, by strength maybe. Whichever had the coolest gadgets or was the buffest first. And then on down to the wimpiest. So which one was most likely to win in a fight down to the one most likely to lose a fight. As I went into my teenage years, I would arrange things on my desk or on my dresser and not necessarily like a series of cars or toys that were arranged and not even objects that were largest to smallest but they generally had a nice lineal order to them most of the time kind of set along the back they were just knickknacks or things that I used often that I would keep in a particular order so now moving into the adult time of my life it's less about arbitrary lines and more straight organization for instance uh, books that I have go onto one of three bookshelves depending on if they're a business or self-help fiction or non-fiction and then once they're on the shelf they get arranged alphabetically by author's last name with the one caveat being if they're part of like a bigger set then that set is arranged by author's last name and then but it's outside of the more mismatched books i'll have to show you sometime i think it's really neat so one of the things that i do recognize in my own son that it's like a little mini me is his ability or his desire to turn things that aren't toys into toys. Generally speaking, boys like to go out and they we collect rocks and sticks and pine cones and play with them. And, you know, obviously a stick becomes a sword and a pine cone's a grenade in order to ball and hit it around. And he does a lot of this. The same thing with the uh, boxes using imagination, just but they don't really turn into cars and airplanes and spaceships. They're just You know, jump in and out of the box, play with it, throw it around, smash it up a bit. All good fun. And so I remember back in the day, we would go shopping and we'd hit up garage sales and thrift stores quite a bit. And I imagine that buying things for a family of six gets rather expensive. So finding the deals and buying secondhand was just what you had to do in order to not go broke. So as my mom would be perusing the clothing to find something decent for us to wear, most kids would head over to like the toy section and find some sort of broken down old toy that they could then beg for her to buy. And I remember I would often go into the home goods section instead. And then I'd wander around the old TV sets and outdated stereo equipment, lamps and phones. And sometimes there'd be some sort of little technology usually it had some sort of circuit board in it and it was super cheap a dollar and i'd be able to buy it and i generally try to use it for a little while you know if it was an old tv or an outdated portable stereo thing i'd mess around with it might get it to work a little bit but ultimately it was mostly junk with very little value and so i would end up just taking it apart 
I'd take out every screw I could find, I'd open the thing up and just explore the insides of whatever it happened to be that I had purchased or somebody had purchased for me. When I'd get to a point that nothing else would come apart, you know, maybe it was glued or there's a permanent clip or whatever, then I would just smash it open. And that usually got me into more of the circuit boards where I'd just I'd kind of look at them, I'd ooh and ah over them and have no clue how they work and still don't have any clue how they work because I've never taken that sort of electronics class before. So anyway, now as we go to Goodwill, my son immediately heads into the area where the old TVs, phones, and other outdated technology is stored and sold. And he, he absolutely loves phones, and he has a few old corded phones in his room that he'll use as toys. He hasn't quite gotten to the disassemble the stuff stage yet, but he does have a few items that he will end up raging on. For example, an old air compressor that stopped working got beat with a hammer a couple summers ago. And other things that are broken, they have no value and they're just going to get tossed anyway, they get taken into the cul-de-sac and smashed to pieces. It was something I always wanted to do more of, especially as a teenager when I was really kind of frustrated that I had no idea why I didn't fit in. Now I know why, and but at the time I I didn't, and I couldn't understand it. And so to release frustration, I had the idea that, hey, maybe if I could just have like a small shop or like a shed in the backyard or something, then I could take things in there that are all broken and just going in the trash, and I can absolutely smash the crap out of them. My dad 100% did not like the idea and considered it an inappropriate method of coping and suggested that I just like read my Bible and pray harder. And today we know there are entire businesses called rage rooms dedicated just to smashing things for the sake of smashing things and releasing that frustration. 20 some years ago, I was onto something that absolutely squashed by a well-meaning but out of touch parent. Maybe uh, in a future podcast, we can look at the connection between autism spectrum wheel and the desire to smashy smash. But for today, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and join the Facebook community. Feel free to ask any questions you have over there. Remember that if your son doesn't like plastic dinosaurs, it's not the end of the world. He may still end up liking to smash things with hammers. And of course, share this with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.